Welcome back to Relation Quip, your podcast discussing anything directly or tangentially impacting relationships. I am Yeet, and as always, I'm joined by my beautiful better half, Helter. Hey, it's great to have everyone back with us again. So before we get started into this week's episode, we have an announcement to make. Uh, this is actually a little bit after or before this episode comes out, but we are officially on three platforms now. We are on Spotify, then we have the bonus content show on Patreon, and this past week, by the time that this is aired, I have managed to get everything set up on the side of Apple, and that's officially been approved and the RSS feed has been linked. So it is free to listen on whatever platform you see fit, and we have now just expanded the horizons a little bit. This week's episode is how to deal with the honeymoon phase and everything surrounding that. And I figured what better place to start than to have a look at what the honeymoon phase is. Many of us have heard the term honeymoon phase when you're talking to your friends or in some cases when you're talking to your folks when you first start dating and thought that every new prospect in your love life was going to be the one. Sometimes it can be used in a negative light by saying things like, oh, you're just in the honeymoon phase, you'll see their true colors in time to come. But what does that actually consist of? What are the signs and elements of the honeymoon phase? Well, some sources have concurring opinions that the honeymoon phase is the most happy and earliest phase of a new relationship. Some elements are you love your partner and everything that they do. Everybody puts their best foot forward. You're always excited to spend time with them. Everything is viewed with rose-tinted glasses. Your focus is primarily on the common ground between the two of you. And there's a lot of intimacy, especially the cutesy stuff like nicknames and showing a lot of affection. You both generally avoid conflicts. And I think that is one of the two times that you picture your quote unquote future most vividly. I think I can speak for a lot of people who've had the longer term relationships. And I say that the honeymoon phase can be a bit of a treacherous period as when you move out from that, you notice all of the things that aren't rose tinted, whether it's noticing some behavior that you don't like in them noticing their flaws or simply put feeling the spark between the two of you fading a little bit and a lot of relationships can end when leaving the honeymoon phase when you realize that compatibility is just not there and a lot of fighting can break out when you don't just brush past or sweep things under the rug that irk you and the person that you're with when leaving the honeymoon phase can seem a lot different than the person you fell in love with originally, quote unquote, as it should, because in those cases, the person you fell in love only put their best foot forward and were only human. And it is natural that over time, your flaws come to light and their flaws come to light. And that's when you get a real prospect of what level of compatibility is available for the two of you. Yeah, just to add a little bit to that, um, the honeymoon phase is also when you know you're the most in love and that's when you've got the most amount of dopamine which is released you know and dopamine is of course the pleasure hormone and as much as it is a grim statistic you know you've got give or take 68 percent of relationships which do end after three months you know once the honeymoon phase has come to an end and real life starts getting in the way. I think 
both Helter and I, in pretty much all of our previous relationships, we've experienced the honeymoon phase, but in our mm-hmm. relationship, I think it's fair to say, and Helter, I reckon you'd agree, that we didn't really have mm. a significant honeymoon phase. And it's largely based mm-hmm. on how our dynamic came about after, at that point in time, four years-ish of knowing each other and two years of being best friends in that uh, time period where we initially started as somewhat unfriendly rivals. And then we started opening up to each other, talking about personal matters. And for a very large period of time, like over about two and a half to three years, we supported each other in a painfully platonic fashion uh, throughout Mm. our respective dating lives. And that kind of kindled our friendship when we realized we had a large overlapping degree of viewpoints and behaviors. And we bonded over that realization over time. And then both kind of hit a dry streak, not at the same time, but overlapping in our lives in the dating scene as we both at that time got out of some less than healthy relationship. And that didn't really change. And we kind of bonded over our shared loneliness, as sad as that may sound. (laughs) And then, well, we hit the conversation of, well, we're as close as we are. We might as well just make it official. And I remember we literally had a conversation about two months after we effectively were a couple and we realized, all right, well, we should probably just make it official and only retroactively Mm. set an anniversary date. We didn't have a set, aha, love at first (laughs) sight moment between the two of us. Yeah, all I know is that we made it official somewhere in March, but our official date is the 20th of January. I think there's, it's very easy to make you know mistakes during the honeymoon phase and i mean let's face it we're only human and we all make mistakes and the honeymoon phase in a new relationship it's damningly easy to make some mistakes and some mistakes might lead to the end of relationship and some might just make for a tough discussion later down the line and i think it's important to be cognizant of the fact that we're all human and inevitably there's going to be some mistakes during that period and it's kind of up to you to determine the gravity of them moving forward Mm, definitely there there are a lot of you know very important things that do need to be considered as you're going into a new relationship and being able to gauge your compatibility in the long run within those first few months is vital to the long-term success or longevity of the relationship sorry my english gave out on me there (laughs) yeah i think some of the more common mistakes are like ignoring potential red flags those initial irks or grating Mm -hmm. behavior it's not always a definitive case but it's a potential sign that something is up and i think something that a lot of people into is spending too much time together and while it is good to get acquainted and spending time together really facilitates that growth rate but it's easy to get Mm. absorbed in the new relationship and not spending enough time with your pre-existing circle whether it's your friend or family and that is not good to your social health you know it's a bit of a twofold point that you've brought there but you know on the first half of it it's really important to be very careful not to blind yourself to your partner's flaws or imperfections to put it in a very cliche way but 
to actually be attentive mm. to their behaviors, their mannerisms, um, their habits. And the I suppose probably the biggest reason for this is you don't want to be turning a blind eye to potentially negative or dangerous behaviors, which could become more prevalent as the relationship continues and your partner becomes more comfortable with you. I think that's you know, it, that's even more so highlighted by the fact that, as you mentioned earlier, your neurochemistry is quite shaken up in the honeymoon mm. phase, which makes it difficult to detect those kinds of dangerous or wrong behaviors. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, if you aren't aware of these kinds of behaviors from the beginning, you know, it could lead to abusive tendencies. And, you know, eventually you get to a point where you feel that it's too late, in a sense, to be able to leave the relationship for fear of loneliness or unworthiness. And often that feeling of unworthiness comes as a result of the abuse. And I think it's very important to set your personal boundaries firmly, fairly early on in the relationship to establish what your hard nose are. You know, as you said, if they get ignored, it can cause conflict or even worse, abuse later down the line when they then suddenly come out of the blue after it's been allowed or permitted to happen mm. for a period of time. And the thing is, you know, as the relationship continues and you kind of start moving out of the honeymoon phase, you know, you, there's a chance that you could become complacent or your partner becomes complacent in a sense and you are less concerned about hiding your quirks or your mannerisms. Yeah, I think it's it's a fine line between hiding and or divulging too much information early on. You know, you've got to establish your hard nose, but by the same token, don't give them your details after bank details after a month. But at the same time, you know, don't hide an important medical condition. It's challenging to balance the line of what you what personal information you publish in the context of that relationship in the beginning phases and by the same trope you know it, it is important to have the difficult conversations right from the beginning you know i'm not saying you have to tell your partner just how many children you want on the first date but you know within the first I'd say three months to a year probably is a good guesstimate. But you know, to have the difficult, the more difficult or the more intense conversations and really being able to open up to each other for the sake of determining your long-term compatibility. Yeah, to have those kinds of um, conversations to establish where the common ground lay and if there is sufficient compatibility for the relationship to be able to last a while because as you said you don't want to wait three or four years down the line to have the serious conversations whether it be what your hard lines are on behavioral stuff whether it's children whether it's jobs whether it's you know your religion you want to have those kinds of conversations not on the first date but fairly early on so that you mm -hmm don't end up with a massive headache down the line, but also that you don't waste your or the other person's time. Exactly. And even beyond just discussing 
you know, whether you want children or not, or your family orientation, or your morals. Being able to discuss your short, medium, and long-term goals. Because, like we said in one of our previous episodes, having that long-term goal compatibility is also very important. You know, being able to have your goals feed each other's. Yeah, to make sure that your your long-term destinations are close enough that the road that you plan on walking being in a relationship together, that that road is one that you can walk together, that it's not going to eventually tear you apart. I think it's all- definitely... Sorry, love. Go ahead. It's definitely a very important conversation to have. And this might sound a bit insensitive, but before you start becoming too attached to that person yeah that you don't suffer heartache down the line Mm. i think although mistakes are almost guaranteed to happen making some minor mistakes in the honeymoon phase it's completely normal you know there isn't a guidebook to dating not a legitimate one at least and every relationship is unique at the end of the day you've still got to figure out what works for you and best to broach a serious topic of conversation because people communicate in different ways and settings and despite all of our experiences we can't tell you what to do and we can't tell you what the best way is to go about it we can just tell you the wisdom that we've gained from the mistakes that we've made yeah i mean and i'm pretty sure we have said this before in a very early episode you know relationships are very subjective I'd hope so. And very much based on your own experiences, your own preferences, but also your own personal development over the years. Yeah, I think in in preparing um, for this particular episode, I thought about, you know, the duration of the honeymoon phase. How long does it last and how long can you expect it? go on for because some people stay in it longer and some people like us don't even have a honeymoon phase to begin with and i read a very interesting article on i think it was very well mined it's a website and the study was done by a abrams and they kind of categorized relationships into four main sections the honeymoon phase and according to them that takes anywhere from six months to two years and Obviously, that's subjective to your dynamic and how you communicate. And like I said, it can be longer, it can be shorter. And then the second stage of the, okay, I actually love you phase, my words, not theirs, anywhere from one to five years where things kind of settle down and the dust settles and you feel that deep connection with your partner. Your brain settles down and you two bond deeply. The third stage being the, okay, do I actually love you phase? where that's the five to seven year period down the line where I think some of the listeners might have heard the the term the seven year itch and that's kind of where life happens and it's inevitable at some stage to drift apart and that's that particular phase where you either drift apart and the relationship dies or you rekindle the flame and make it through that phase and it's generally a very make or break stage for a lot of marriages and the fourth stage is the okay, I actually love you forever, which is seven years and up. While that's not necessarily a guaranteed golden ticket to being a happy old couple in your 80s, that's the stomping ground for long-term marriages. And 
that's where you can kind of begin to set your sights on being the happy old couple in your 80s. Yes, you know, as you're going out of the honeymoon phase, it's it can be very easy to become complacent. And if you aren't attentive to it, it could lead to a bit of a stagnation in the relationship. You know, and ultimately it could lead to one or both partners looking for excitement or an alternative vice outside of the relationship. It's not to say that they're going to seek company elsewhere, but that they're going to find other vices, yeah, you, you know, other things give them that same excitement. You need to work on the transition from the honeymoon phase where your brain chemistry is abnormal, and you got to work mm. on the transition to when the dust settles and to have that as a smooth transition, because I think it's difficult to be in that position where it feels like the spark has begun to fade or as you say the excitement has died down i think it's very necessary mm -hmm. to focus on having a conversation about that transition in particular mm, definitely and you know even once the honeymoon phase has perhaps come to an end it doesn't have to come to a grinding grinding halt you know there are of course a lot of ways as a couple that you can still focus on evoking that same excitement I mean, that comes with the honeymoon phase we and did. really carrying that through the relationship. I mean, we did do a whole episode on keeping the spark alive. <laughs> that much is also true. <laughs> Priorities pri Oh, goodness. Editor, cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> My brain isn't braining. You're good. It's been a week. It has indeed <laughs> been a week. I think it's. But anyway, it's good to highlight the differences between or the expected differences between the honeymoon phase and when the dust kind of settles. That's my term for it. And I think everyone who's had a relationship that's crossed that boundary of the honeymoon phase will note that there's there's a lot of distinct differences between when you first started dating versus when you settle into a more realize uh, realize high life. <laughs> Editor, cut this out. It's, week. it's contagious. <laughs> I think it's important to note the distinct differences between when you first start dating and when you move into a more realistic dynamic. There we go. And some changes are for the better and some aren't always pleasant. You know, have that underlying feeling of where's the magic. And I think there's a lot of pros and cons and by no means is this an extensive list we just don't have two calendar months to list them all but i think to highlight some of the positive aspects of the honeymoon phase is you notice their best attributes granted some of them might just be through rose tinted glasses but during that period where people put their best foot forward you really realize a lot of the person's strengths and their shining attributes and I think during that period, you've arguably got the strongest desire to be together and spend quality time together, um, not necessarily across the whole relationship, but there's a very strong drive to that where you find a lot of common ground because in that phase, that's one of your subconscious and underlying goals is to find that common ground within that magic of a new relationship. And, you know, like we've mentioned before, it is all that being said, it is still important to not allow yourself to be blinded but you know, not only being blind towards your partner's flaws but not hiding who you really are 
from your partner you know for them to be able to love you wholly they need to get be able to get to know you in your entirety you know your quirks your behaviors or mannerisms odd little habits that you may have the kind of routines that you prefer and just your general purpose um purposes preferences there we go <laughs> uh, listeners it has been a very long week oh dear what, what's up on the bright side at least we'll have gone through the whole dictionary by the time we finish this episode <laughs> <laughs> i think there's there's also a lot of positive aspects from leaving the honeymoon phase you know your brain chemistry settles a bit more to a normal state and while it may feel like the spark fades a bit, you gain more perspective on who the person actually is from a more logical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And there comes a deeper connection between the two of you where you can start to get an accurate picture of how the relationship looks and how the future looks moving forward. Mm. And I suppose it allows you to start being a bit more objective in your own evaluation of the relationship. Yeah, to be a bit more real with who you are and to kind of mm. open up a bit about what your insecurities and flaws are. Mm, but not only that, you know, whether you actually think that this relationship has a long-term potential for you. Yeah, the, when, once you cross that threshold and you're both cognizant of it, it is a difficult question. And whether you have it in an outright conversation or whether you just mull it over respectively, it is a difficult position to have that question internally of, well, what now? Mm. Is this something yeah. that I would like to pursue in the long run? Or do we call it here and say so long and thanks for all the fish? Mm. And I suppose ultimately the honeymoon phase and you know that initial dust settling, as you say, is a very critical time to be able to determine just how well you think this relationship would incorporate into your life pre-relationship and like we've said if this is something that you feel that you would like to pursue in the long run i think from from how we approach um, challenges and obstacles in our relationship we view them as an opportunity to be there for one another and to grow through whatever thing that we might be facing at the time and it's i think that is kind of your first major challenge in the context of the relationship not necessarily individually but the first real challenge for the two of you to actually get through that transition phase and to settle into a more long-term perspective in the relationship i think it's a good opportunity to learn how the other person functions in the context of keeping the magic happening and still mm. remaining cognizant in the relationship mm. but you know under the a similar umbrella not necessarily the same but you know being able to go through an emotionally tense situation with your partner to be able to see how they handle those kinds of situations versus how you handle them and how you're able to support each other in that situation you know perhaps they 
shut down but you want to be able to be there and they don't allow you how can you find a middle ground to that i think it's it's um, easy to face a lot of challenges in a relationship when it's just you versus the problem but when it is mm -hmm. a problem that's affecting the both of you it shows a lot about the character mm -hmm. of not only yourself but the person that you're with and going through mm -hmm. that is a good expose of character to get to a point where you can have a bit of a more informed opinion on how the person that you are pursuing how they face adversity within the context of relationships and how they behave when faced with something that is taxing on the relationship because let's let's Thanks face that. it it is taxing to go from the honeymoon phase to a more long-term and stable mindset and mm. being able to use that as a vantage point to analyze how you as a couple tackle the problem i think it's a very good opportunity and i mean inevitably at some stage during the relationship there are going to be difficult circumstances be it within the relationship be it a professional issue that affects one partner quite heavily or you know, a family issue which affects a partner quite heavily and you do become a bit dependent on your partner sometimes depending on how you handle difficult circumstances but knowing how you can incorporate your own needs in that circumstance with how your partner wants to be there for you how you can face it together yeah it's it's a big learning opportunity and i think if you go into it with that mind frame of viewing it as a learning opportunity for the both of you it can be a very productive time in the relationship because it either shows you that okay we we handle this in ways x y and z and you can then look back and say all right well if this is the first stepping stone to a more serious relationship am i content with how this was handled am i content with the result in the broad spectrum it's kind of the first hurdle barring the challenges that you might have in the interim in your personal life it's i'd say the first major hurdle to overcome to facilitate the longevity mm. of the relationship mm. and along that vein you're not only evaluating how you've perhaps handled the situation but how the situation was resolved as a couple and being able to discuss that afterwards being able to say that wow love i think this disagreement or this situation that we faced it wasn't easy and you know perhaps it wasn't a discussion that we wanted to have but it was a very necessary one and i'm really happy with the way that we handled it and being able to reflect on that and be mindful of that for future instances of perhaps a disagreement or a discussion that needs to be had i completely agree and i mean it's it's especially important when during that time period you sometimes feel like all right well this isn't exactly the person that i fell in love with it's good to have those rose-tinted glasses removed and overcome that stepping stone 
because the person is going to appear a bit different than while you were in the honeymoon phase and being able to then evaluate who they are because in in that time frame of transitioning there's an increased probability of disagreements or arguments and it's it's a good opportunity to discover how you actually behave towards this person and how they behave towards you yeah i think we were in a sense fortunate that we didn't really have a honeymoon phase and thus we didn't really have that transition purely because we were so close and such good friends before we became a couple that we already knew how the other functions and we already knew how to support each other so we didn't necessarily have that learning curve within the relationship but even so there have still been instances in the relationship where something has come up and we've had to figure out together how to handle it how to face it yeah i think we we and took we took a bit more of a circuitous route to get there um because we had spent years by that time developing the friendship consciously or otherwise and we got to that point where you said we knew each other so well that we didn't have the windows of disillusionment because during the course mm. of our friendship i'm confident in speaking saying for myself but you at that point had seen me at some of the lowest lows that i've ever been at in my life and you were still there by my side at the end of the day and that helped mm. us a lot to kind of smoothly move over into the relationship because we knew what language the other person spoke i can put it like that definitely and it goes both ways i reckon purely because we were already able to provide the support in a way that we knew the other would respond yeah and respond in a way that would be productive and conducive to yeah. actually working through the situation by that time we'd already laid the foundations of the relationship in the future because at the root of the day your relationship can't just be in a physical sense it can't just be based on looks or based on whatever other superficial things there are whether it's money or status because that's not going to bring about a healthy relationship in the long term we mm -hmm. i think we kind of hit the nail on the head by building the friendship first building that structural support to the relationship which should be integral to any long-term relationship it should be you and your best friend in a sense mm. and having that yeah. foundation built up beforehand i think made it a lot easier because we didn't need to sit around scratching our heads and figuring out all right well how do i talk to this person how do i tell them what i'm thinking how do they respond to criticism how do i figure out what their flaws are we we kind of got lucky on that sense but for the mm. people who don't have <laughs> four years mm. for a relationship it's <laughs> it's a very challenging time because it's a very high rate of information that you need to be processing and mm. it's a lot of mental balls to juggle in the air when you're learning so much about a person in such a short time frame and i think for for a lot of people in university unless you have an extreme bout of luck there's going to be a lot of relationships that don't make it even past the year long mark and mm. even in a year 
years of another editor cut this out. <laughs> Wanna try that with your brain on? Even in the span of a year to learn, and I'm not saying you learn everything about a person over the course of a relationship, but you learn enough to know them intimately, but to have all of that processed information as an influx over the course of just one year is staggering. It is so mm-hmm. much to process and make peace with. You know, you mm. you need time to process all of that stuff and for it to develop and be handled in a healthy manner. Mm. And as cliche as it might sound, I I really am wholly in favor of the idea of marrying or dating your best friend. You know, you don't necessarily have to be friends for three, four years before you start the relationship, but being able to develop that bond and that trust within the relationship as well. And you know, once again, we were fortunate because when we went into the relationship, we already had a very good bond. We already had that foundation of trust within each other. You highlight a very important point there with the the friendship having to be established first. Because at the end of the day, if you look at all of the happy and functional long-term relationships, the difference between that and your best friend is whether you kiss each other goodnight and hold hands when you walk outside. And mm. the the distinction between your best friend and your partner is so minuscule in the grand scheme that you should be maybe not necessarily best friends but you should at least be very good friends to start with that's my Mm. personal recommendation because it builds up a lot of common ground and that the unity that develops over time as friends carries over significantly into the relationship and i think it's a lot less strenuous to Mm. build a relationship with someone that you know and someone that knows you versus going in cold and meeting someone at a bar. I'm not saying that that never works. For some people, it obviously does work, but I'm just speaking in a broader sense, broader sense, right? Broader sense of the experiences that you and I have had and have seen. Yeah, no, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that, yeah, some people they do experience the love at first sight and they are able to form a bond quickly you know be it chemistry destiny fates call it whatever you would like we are definitely not saying that that doesn't happen but we what we are definitely saying is that it is important to build that foundation and to build the foundation on a trust but b also the morals and the values that both of you hold dear and that you are able to find common ground in those two and not only in i don't know your hobbies or certain behaviors or something i mean for um, us for us we had a lot of the serious conversations that a lot of people tend to have down the line or in the early phases of a relationship we had those years before we even had a shred of interest in one another we Mm. basically already had all of those conflicts and common ground established before we even got talking about emotional intimacy or 
becoming a couple. And I think from my perspective, the only real long-term functional relationships that I've ever seen are between best friends that have made it through mm -hmm. life together. Because at the end of the day, barring yourself, they are going to most likely be the person you spend the most amount of time with outside of work. And if that person and you don't get along well, well then <laughs> that's not particularly <laughs> conducive to a relationship, is it? Not particularly. It's It really does place a lot of importance on um, or a lot of emphasis, I think is a better word, on when you are laying that foundation for the relationship to really be able to assess your overall compatibility. I think having those deeper kinds of conversations to make sure that your long-term goals align when the honeymoon phase kind of fades out because it's very easy to think of yourself as being very flexible in terms of where you want to go one day but if you take away the gremlins that are messing with your neurochemistry during the honeymoon phase if you take that away i think everyone realizes that they're um, perhaps not as flexible on their long-term desires and goals as mm. they would present and it's important to realize whether this is going anywhere or whether it's just going to fall flat and i think it's also important to note that if you exit the honeymoon phase and realize you're not compatible that's fine there's nothing mm. nothing wrong with a relationship that doesn't work out for whatever reason obviously as long as it's not abusive or nobody gets hurt it's completely fine if the relationship isn't meant to be and i think that's something that a lot of people might not necessarily consider especially given how mainstream media depicts relationships and depicts those kinds of um, situations it's not make or break it's not this is the only person that will ever love me no some people just aren't compatible and that's completely fine mm. and i think also as you're coming out of the honeymoon phase i almost said relationship phase <laughs> yeah please, um, please don't go out of the relationship phase when you're <laughs> properly in it but as you're coming out of the uh, bloody hell do you want to try that with your brain on <laughs> i think as you're coming out of the honeymoon phase it is also important to continue continually there we go familiarize re-familiarize yourselves with your longer term goals and your visions as a couple and uh, by, just, by the same token to just have a check in with yourself and see how you're doing how you've changed how your thoughts and feelings might have evolved over that time period definitely there's a lot of introspection which does need to happen both during and after the honeymoon phase and even during that transition from the honeymoon phase to what is now your new norm um but you know what I, th I reckon once you realize that okay well i can actually tolerate this person on a daily basis you i reckon it is also important to be attentive to providing each other with positive reinforcement to be able to constantly and consistently build and strengthen your bond 
within the relationship. You know, simple things, speaking lovingly, providing encouragement to your partner, giving them compliments. Like, by the way, love, you look really handsome today. I meant that. Um, Thank you kindly. <laughs> yeah, just really focus on endearment. I think it's it's important to have a greater oversight, but I think looking at the time, just for a quick recap, it's important to enjoy the magic in the new relationship and mm -hmm. to learn and discover more about the person and who they are if you don't already know them for quite a while and to find that common ground of your hobbies and interests that you both share. But by the same token, remember your friends and family because just because the new person seems to be the bee's knees it's not a guarantee and it's important to give homage mm -hmm. to the people that have been there over time and to be aware that you still need your own personal time to spend on your hobbies and interests and to not lose yourself during that time period and not to lose your sense of individuality mm. no that is definitely important and um if you're looking for ways to not let the honeymoon phase come to a complete halt, we also had an episode on that. Exactly. I think that is all the time that we have for today. Don't forget to check us out on either Apple uh, Podcasts, on Spotify, or if you are keen on some bonus episodes and hearing into exactly what went on into the making of each episode, don't forget to check out our Patreon. All of the links will be in the description below. And let us know what you think. Let us know if there's a topic that you want to hear us talk about or if there's things that you would like some answers to. And I think for me, that is all. And a wonderful week to everyone further. Thank you. Take care.